1: We're going to work through these mailbag questions here pretty quickly, Ryan. We did have a couple super chats, and here is one. Reza with a super chat, and he has a question that's kind of related to Notre Dame. This came up when we were having the conversation about Oregon State. Reza asked, what did Oregon State do to give USC problems? Ryan, you want to take first crack at that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, Reza, with how we have described USC this week in our breakdowns, USC has a lot of athletic skill. They have some athletes even on defense, but they are not a physical team at all. Even their offensive line, which is a good unit, it's not a bad unit, they win based upon angles and athleticism. They create movement with movement. and I think that what Oregon State is, and give Jonathan Smith the biggest credit for this, is that Oregon State, no matter where they have some athletic deficiencies, offensive line-wise, defensive-wise, running game-wise, They'll hit you right in the mouth, man, and they will, and they will suffocate you, and they will keep coming. That team has bought completely into what Jonathan Smith has sold to them, and they have an identity. Their identity is that they are a throwback, smashmouth football team that is not going to back down from anyone. And I think that when you look at USC, that could be a little bit of their kryptonite. When a team is just like, "I'm going to throw blow for blow for you," and I'm not going to get, I'm not going to lose the football game, or I'm not going to you know, be my own worst enemy. And unfortunately for Oregon state, they were their own worst enemy in that football game, which is why they lost the game, but they still were able to keep it close because Oregon state is the antithesis of what, of what USC is. They do not want to play tough, smash mouth football. Do they not want to match put, blow for blow? When a team does that, I think that they give them some issues.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate is Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We've seen over the years, Ryan, when teams are like USC, very pass-heavy. This happened to Oklahoma as well. When they play teams that are physical in the secondary and the referees allow them to be physical, they have a hard time with it. And I thought they allowed Oregon State to be very physical in that game. I don't know if the officials are going to do the same thing to Notre Dame. I think that helped as well. But I think you nailed it, Ryan. USC is not a physical football team. Doesn't mean they're soft. It's just not their the style of play like on offense brands. is just not it's just not who they are. It's not an insult. It's just not every it's just how they play. And Oregon State was able to really play at a high level. I also think USC didn't play well. Like I don't think if they play a week later that USC only scores 17 points. You know I think it's I think if Oregon State on a normal game playing their game holds them to 24 to 27 on a good day. I think yeah. it was a combination of a great game plan from Oregon State, great Execution of it by Oregon State and USC had an off night. I think that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and not, it's like if Notre Dame and Stanford played again the next week, I don't think Stanford is in the game, much less wins. It's sometimes on that yeah. Saturday, Oregon State did what they did and USC had an off night.
2: It's, it's also, Brian, I mean, you remember when Oregon used to struggle against Stanford, right? Like back in the early 2010s. Like that was why it was because. Was Oregon a bad team? No, Oregon wasn't a bad team. They weren't an incredibly physical team, though. And that's how Stanford beat them, is that they were the antithesis of them. They were a team that was going to run smash mouth, run it right at you, and they were going to play physical style on the defensive side of the ball. And that's how you stop those types of teams. It doesn't make them a bad team. It doesn't make that's just the style that they run. Right. I would argue that LSU, not 2019 offensively, was not an incredibly physical football team. I would argue that. Does that make them not great? Oh, they were great. They Were a great team, but it's just the style that they play.
1: Risa also has another super chase. Is also my wife scheduled dinner with friend at seven p.m. on Saturday. Same nonsense for the Clemson game and couldn't watch live. Was at the OSU game in person. Think it's all for the best. You know, I get that, but you guys need to have a little bit of a heart to heart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say uh you need to have a chat with your wife and do one of two things you need to remind her of of Notre Dame's schedule but you also need to give her remember in high school I don't know if they still do this Vince but remember when we were young where like at your high school like you'd go to the like a local fast food place or the local grocery and they'd have like the little cards with the local football team schedule on it oh you know yeah what I mean you oh, need yeah. to get one of those for your wife and you need to make sure she has that in her purse or wallet or whatever she uses, or, so she remembers or, what Notre Dame's schedule is before she's scheduling uh I, with friends. I'm
2: sure that Vince's family has this, but you have Google calendars now where you can share it one on one. You can see where things are blacked out. Like see, bingo. bingo! Not
1: not, not ever, especially older people. They don't always always go to their phones on that, right? So you know, it's the only way I'm our family, family operates, it, man. Yeah. No, I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull up the phone. And be like, you know, maybe, but I got that thing in my that card in my wallet. Anytime you schedule something on a weekend in the fall, you make sure you check this card first before you uh before you schedule it plus the card can go anywhere you can't use the excuse "Well, I didn't have my phone when we were setting this up well can't the problem
4: is on the card there's too many tba time slots on the card mm-hmm.
1: so that's because those but, are printed preseason. and you know then you know you don't make a decision until you checked with me that's to the find out thing. what time kickoff marriage like. is all about Let's communication go. people we're gonna need there
2: some communication. <laughs> also, the calendar that goes on the fridge, right? Like you can also yeah, we these got that there for the older folks. Right. Yeah,
1: we got yeah. that too. Ty- Thanks, Reza. Tyler Evans with a super chat. In your opinion, what are the top three rivalries in college football? This is a good one. I mean, I think Michigan Ohio State is probably in in that conversation. The yeah, problem is. is a lot of the best rivalries right now are just not really at, in peak form. Like Auburn yeah. Alabama Iron Bowl's kind of been like. You know, blah the last few years. Florida Florida State doesn't mean as much anymore because well, neither team's that good.
4: For me, for me, the top three in no particular order, Notre Dame, USC, Ohio State, Michigan, and uh Oklahoma, Texas.
2: Okay. Those are my I spots. would also go Oklahoma, Texas is one. I would go Ohio State, Michigan. That third one's tough, man. Like I, I want to go Notre Dame, USC as well, but there's there's a couple good rivalries outside there. You know which one I kind of like? is Florida, Georgia. I've always enjoyed Florida, Georgia, personally. I think that's a good one, but that third one's tough. That third one is really tough for me.
1: I think here's what makes Notre Dame unique, even not looking at it from a Notre Dame standpoint. Notre Dame is the only rivalry like it. There's no other rivalry of of teams that play out of conference that are this far apart. Like – the Clemson, South Carolina rivalry, it's in state schools, Florida, Florida State are in, in state, are, state schools, or, or louisville Kentucky, in state states. schools, or the border skirmish that is Ohio State Michigan, but they're in the, the same conference. There's nothing else like Notre Dame's. And that's what makes it unique. And so I think that's something that adds to it. And then you think of just the tradition of the two teams. That's a that's important as well. A lot of great games. You know, I, I think you know a game that I used to love to watch that's, that's a rivalry that's gone that I miss is Texas, Texas AM. Oh, it was uh, I great, man! Was I, I like that rivalry more than Texas Oklahoma to be completely honest with you. Until it went away, I loved that rivalry every year. I still remember watching Ricky Williams, you know, break the record against Texas A and M, you know, that the rushing record that one year. I used to thought I used to think they played great games together um, in, in football. Here, and, Do you remember and, the one?
2: The, it was like um, it was the javorski Lane Mike Goodson year or whatever yeah. they upset Texas. It was like an early Saturday game. I think yeah. it
1: was really good. It was really good. I you know like there were so many good rivalries when we were young i mean the florida state miami rivalry rivalry when we were kids was phenomenal uh you know you talk about the the tennessee in like when i was in high school and college the tennessee florida rivalry was tremendous because they were both every year like hey you know what like this is you know, this is a great game. Who the winner of this plays for the SEC sti- SEC title could play for a championship. That was a great rivalry back in the day as well. But a lot of the good rivalries just either are gone, like Texas, Texas A and M, or Nebraska, Oklahoma. I used to love the Nebraska, Oklahoma game. That was a, I used to always love that. And then Nebraska, Colorado used to be a great rivalry back in the day when when they were in the same conference, and they good were one. good. Yeah. But you know, they're all gone and they just stink. Like. I, Texas Oklahoma is a game I'd love to go to but I just don't think it's a great rivalry. I, you know, I, it just for me it just doesn't do it for me. But I'd also have a hard time kind of picking a third to be completely honest with you cuz none of the other ones are great. I think the Florida Georgia game is is pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, T- Tennessee Alabama used to be a good one back in the day and and I'm curious if that reignites now that Tennessee is getting good. I've got a I've got a couple that that I uh Navy Army yeah, Minnesota, Wisconsin is the one that I, th- I think is always a- a underrated. That's a you, very underrated rivalry.
2: You, you know what I love? Well, I don't love, but it is a hostile, hostile rivalry
1: is BYU and Utah. Yes, hate each other. Yes, they hate yes. each other. Yes, that's a good one. You know what, Ryan? You just nailed it. I think Army-Navy is probably going to be my third. That's going to be a my good. third. One. That one's a great For one. different reasons, yeah. though, I think. Yeah. It's not a good football yeah.
4: game, necessarily.
1: But. Just the um, history, man. You, I mean, look, for me to say that about that rivalry, when they're both running the freaking triple option, <laughs> says a lot about how good that rivalry is. You know, but um, it's the uniqueness of it, Vince. To me, it's not good. I watch it every year. I watch it's it absolutely every it. year. They play so. in a weekend where there's no other games. Right, right. It's you know, it's it's just all the different aspects to it. That's a pretty good rivalry. But like,
2: I I, I like, like that they got the backyard brawl back as well. West Virginia, yeah. a pretty good one.
1: Yeah, that that one never did it for me. I wish they would keep it. You know, like the ACC rivalries, like North Carolina, NC State, North Carolina, Duke. Those are those don't do it for me. Um, they're just yeah. You know which rivalry I wish would come back permanently is Penn State-Pitt. That's a rivalry that should come back. I Mm -hmm. always liked that one. And they played a couple good games recently, if you guys remember. They had a couple really good back-to-back games back in I think it was like 16 and 17. But all-time – so I'll I'll do it this way, Vince. I'm going to go all-time. My all-time favorite rivalries, if you include the history of the rivalries for me. It's Notre Dame-USC, Michigan-Ohio State, Florida State-Miami. Those are – like if you take the entirety of my life, those are the three best. Because every and year, my like from when I was a kid, every year Florida State, Miami was two top five teams, and they were almost always really good games. And Florida State would win some, Miami'd win some. Uh, that was those are the three best to me of my lifetime. Like just so,
2: someone just asked for FCS games. So Montana, Montana State, South Dakota State, North Dakota State are also great. I loved about those games. Yep. Did you see college game day? Was at the Montana, Montana
1: State game? Who won year? that right? Montana State. Montana state really good this year. Yeah. They're really good. So I'm saying, man, Oregon State passed for like three bills on him, dude. I mean, come on now. <laughs> uh we have a we have a uh super chat from our German friend Michael. My tip Notre Dame 44 runs, four sacks and one interception. And thank you for your super okay. chat, Michael. Appreciate that very much. I'll take that. And if Notre Dame runs the ball forty four times, has four sacks and an interception. I'd feel pretty good about the chances yeah. in that football. Game. I would oh, too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alan Watson with a Super Chat. Thank you, Alan. If we have ACC refs this week, my prediction is Southern Cal 3, the refs 10, and Notre Dame 35. <laughs> Notre hey, Dame look, 35, 35, 35. somebody said something in the chat earlier when they were
4: talking about refs. It was a couple hours ago. But, like, the ACC refs want Clemson's – that you know, ACC wants Clemson's resume to be stout, right? Mm-hmm. The only way to do that is to have Notre Dame win this game. Right. So, yeah. they are ACC refs. I feel good about the fact that they're ACC refs. So – is it ACC refs? They it's on the road, they take ACC refs with them when they go do on the road. Do they still do that?
1: Well, yeah. yeah, but a lot of the road games were against ACC teams. No, no,
4: no, but that's that that's what they do. Okay. Cuz the away team brings the refs always. Okay. And so and their contract with Notre Dame and the ACC is that they okay. take ACC refs with them God, on the they road. Suck.
2: Referee oh, they're has terrible. Been so bad. Now, this year I believe the
4: replay really people will be yeah. Pac12, so yeah. Yeah. there's that. Oh,
1: good. Good. Can we they're doing replays replace for holding calls now. What the heck? <laughs> what <are you> <laughs> There's no flag, but we're called, we're buzzing you down to say you should have thrown one. Alan Watson with another super chat. The last two classes have been loaded. How many more in a row do we need to say? We just are reloading rather than rebuilding. I think they already are guys. I mean, isn't that the conversation we had this off season? Whenever we talk about this is a rebuilding their name team. And so I don't think it's a rebuilding their name team. And you know, it's going to be the same thing next year. They're going to lose Jared Patterson and Isaiah Foskey and Jason Adam Yola and Michael Mayer. And I'm going to be like, they're not going to be bad at any of those positions. You know, right. they're going to have strengths at other positions and then they're going to be, still be good at those positions. Yeah. So
4: the ebb and flows of best positions yeah. will change year to yeah. year. But yeah. I, I yeah.
1: think that what I have seen guys is I think offensively it's and defensively, it's been inconsistent, but you know, you had a great offensive class in 21. when I mean, you had Tyler Buckner, at run at quarterback you had Diggs and estimate at running back you had Logan you had uh, uh, Lorenzo Styles Deion Colsey at wide receiver Jaden Thomas excuse me I almost thought about forgot about him Mitchell Evans and Kane Brong Blake Fisher uh, and Joe Alt, Rocco Spindler on the offensive line and then the next year you kind of come out where you end up missing out on guys but the guys you got are really good. Tobias mm-hmm. Merriweather, Eli and Holden stage to Darren Price. The offensive line class was really good. And now you're bringing in what I would say, guys, if they finish the way we hope they finish. And step one was getting Kenny Minchie check. This could be Notre Dame's best offensive class since 2008. Oof. I, yeah. And, and I would say this, right. it'll be more balanced than that 2008 class, because I think the offensive line class will be better than that one was. Now that, my, that offensive line class had two kids I really liked. Trevor Robinson was in that class. He was really good. He was a highly ranked guy. Mm-hmm. He's not as good as Charles Jagasaw. And I really liked Lane Cleland coming out. He didn't pan out at Notre Dame, but I really liked him coming out as well, kid from Maryland. But if you look at that class, fellas, you had Dane Crist, a quarterback. He was a five-star. And, again, I'm just looking at how these kids were coming out, I, not what they did because we don't know how these kids are going to do. You had Jonas Gray at running back. He was a top-hundred kid. You had Michael, five-star Michael Floyd at receiver. Deion Walker was a top-hundred kid. John Goodman was a really good underrated kid you had Kyle Rudolph and Joseph Fourier Kyle Rudolph was a five-star Fourier was a four-star And then offensive line you had you had Trevor Robinson Lane Lane Cleland Braxton Cave who was a four-star and then you had Mike Golik Jr. you know like three of those four kids ended up being multi-year well Golik started just the one year but they all were starters on some key teams Uh, that was a loaded offensive class loaded offensive class recruiting wise and I think this class has a chance if they can finish it off with one more guy, or two more, because they're trying to they're trying to get Caleb Smith and Christopher Tarek. I'm actually gonna have an article coming up here in a little bit uh, where I where I break down the guys that are left on the board. I talk the need, their skill. And then, of course, the latest on their recruitment. So you'll want to check that out here about an an hour, hour and a half, an Irish breakdown. I'll have that out here in a little bit as well. If they get finished with those guys, fellas, I I think this could be their best offensive class. And this follows right after, you know, landing some individual talent last year, but then a great class in 2021. Offense is all of a sudden going to have a lot of talent. Now it's like, okay, can you develop and coach it up? That's going to be the question.
2: I feel like I feel like we don't talk enough, Brian, about the twenty twenty three class as a whole. Not even just looking at the offense. About how balanced this class is, man. Like it is hard, hard to poke a hole in this class. Like there's gonna be some people that are like, oh, Viper. It's like, but sure. you also got three really good defensive ends that you can make things work, right? And like, Preston you, Zinner could play Viper if you needed
1: him. Exactly. Too. Exactly.
2: Right. Exactly. Kenny so, Minchie
1: changed that, Ryan. Kenny Minchie yeah. removed the butts. Mm-hmm. right like There's you no could box. always say miss a great class but you don't yeah. have a quarterback or you don't have a big-time quarterback man he changed yeah. that he changed that kenny menchie completely changes the complexion of this of this recruit because we
2: i mean think about a couple of these positions now that we have in 2023 it's like the wide receiver class is so deep now right that no one ever talks about rico flores anymore who's like a top 200 kid nationally you know mm-hmm. like he's a really good player no one ever talks about Devin Houston on the defensive line, who's also a top 200 defensive national recruits because, you know, just Brennan Vernon, Bubakar and Armel Mukum, and they're all so exciting, right? But then it's just like, hey, Devin Houston's probably going to play some right. really good football. Yeah. We barely ever talk about Preston Zinter yeah. because he's with Jay Nosferry and we never talk about Ben Minich because he's got a Don Schuller and Peyton Bowen in front of him. It's just like
1: mm-hmm. this class is so deep, and they man. still it's did really sign, deep. as you said, Ryan. They still have four D linemen in this class. Yes. It's not, I mean, losing Keon stunk. Oh no. And no. if you oh, no. if you get him, you've got arguably your greatest recruiting class since 1990. I mean, if honestly, if this class would have played out and they would have kept Keon, you're talking about your best recruiting class since 1990, in my opinion. That's yep. how good Keon was, but it wasn't meant to be. And, and but, if you're able uh, to
2: get Caleb Smith, then that is probably about as well-balanced a wide receiver hole as you've oh, yeah. gotten in some time as well.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Let's get back up here a few more. we got Rob Osgood. I think it will be 38-21 Notre Dame. I think the Notre Dame trenches will dominate and keep USC off its game. I predict three INTs from USC with the pressure and Notre Dame runs for 250 yards. Then Notre Dame can tell everyone to suck it. I love the ending <laughs> to that, guys. I love <laughs> the ending to that. That's so great. That's so great. I mean, Jason Warnock. Anyway, right, yeah. Is a New Year Six possible with a big win tomorrow? That would be motivation. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Notre 100%. Dame is still playing for its postseason life as well. I mean, not that like they're not, they're going to make a, the postseason; they've already qualified. But where but they're going to go yes. is is the yes. big thing. Yes, it's, it's there's a lot. I mean, there's one spot
4: that Notre Dame can get in the New Year Six. The way I see it, and it's the Cotton Bowl. It's the at large mm-hmm. bid against the Group of Five winner, which at this point, who knows who that's going to be. Uh, but that would be the only spot that Notre Dame has the ability to get at the moment. So it's either that or a top tier ACC bowl, which could be the Gator bowl could be the holiday bowl. I mean, there's like six of them uh, that you can choose from, but Notre Dame needs to be within two wins of the eight. There's all kinds of little things. I believe the cheese It bowl has first pick. Um, So we'll see where they end up if they don't win or if they get bumped out. A lot of things have to happen above them as well for them to get into the New Year's Six but if they i don't win, know about a lot I love, their but chances. definitely some
1: stuff needs to happen some stuff to, has sure. to shake
4: yeah. out their way sure. yeah and sure. somebody asked if there was a chance that Notre Dame plays LSU not really they they would both have to lose i think this week uh and then LSU would have to lose again for them to potentially match up in the Gator Bowl I just don't see that. I, I
1: the think games. there's a chance they can both play, even if LSU or Notre Dame wins out. But it would, Vince, to your point, it would require LSU to lose twice. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, there's I a chance because they would they play, an SEC play in one of those two, uh, like Gator, like cheese, like one of those, there's a, the, the Gator Bowl especially, but it would require LSU to lose twice. And I don't see that Correct. happening. I don't see LSU losing to Texas A&M because, yeah, I just don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, because I I think that if LSU loses in a close game to Georgia, they're in the Sugar Bowl, right? I mean, I think they'd have to be blown out to not be in the Sugar Bowl. Or do they, because they they don't have to put LSU in the Sugar Bowl if they lose, right? Can't they put Tennessee or Bama? Or do they have to put them since they were in the SEC championship game? No, it's whoever
4: the number, the quote unquote number two SEC team is, because the number one team would obviously be Georgia and they go to the playoff and then it would be whoever is the perceived next sec team and with three losses that's not going to be lsu i wouldn't think but we'll see
1: yeah we have a super chat from Indy nation uh thank you very much if we keep peyton bowen do you see him on punt returns good chance it's Good possible. chance but yeah. here's the thing i love about it ryan and we'll just we'll be quick here because we did talk about that recently but here's the thing i love about it yes maybe but notre dame is adding some legitimate impact talent on special teams in this class to where yeah. it's not a because like in any other year we're just okay, of course it's Peyton Bowen, or well, of course it's Dylan Edwards, or mm-hmm. well, of course it's Christian Gray, or well, of course it's Micah Bell. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Or of course it's Jaden Greathouse, right? Yeah, but in this class, it's like, dude, I don't know who it's necessarily going to be, but uh, I, I, I would love the idea of getting. If Dylan Edwards is not playing anything, any at, at all on offense, then I would want to find a way to get in the ball. But if, if you got Dylan Edwards in the, in the offensive rotation, I would not be opposed to putting Peyton Bowen back there. Cause it'd be a great way to get that kid to football. Yeah. Cause he's done. Uh, it's going to be
2: exciting. And it's not even just the return opportunities for kick and punt return either. It's like, I mean, if I'm Brian Mason, I'm like, wow, I can have Preston Zinter and Drake Bowen and, you know, if they can land Brandon Hillman running down on the kickoff and yep. kick coverage, like that's a Jaden Osbury. Man. Yeah. Yep. Like these
1: long, yep. big, athletic dudes just running down on kickoff. Like, yes, yeah. sir. Yes,
2: Well,
1: sir. Peyton Bowen has a chance to be a star on special teams in every category. Oh, yeah. You know, Christian Gray has a chance to be a really good special teams kid. Ben Minich is going to be a special teams, like, oh, you know, captain solar. before his career's over. And another oh, okay. one that I think is going to be a great special teams player, like early on, is a Don Schuler. Oh, I think that Don to go is going out, to be a man. nasty special team player. Like, and look, there's going to be a couple. Don't think that there's not going to be some things that that uh, that uh, Brian Mason's like, hey, uh, on this pump block team, uh, can we get that really long, twitchy, fast kid, Braylon James over here on kick block, please?
2: Or, I mean, Br- Brian, Armel Mookum? <laughs>
1: like, right,
2: go, serve, going in straight line, boobacar Bubakar Bubka Cartrayor is
1: going to block at least two kicks during his career, and I'm talking PAT field goals. I'm I'm talking about that he's going to get those go go gadget arms up, and he's going to do that. So yeah, yeah. there's Brian. This team has added a lot of impact on on special teams, but I think Ryan, what I would argue is we've seen years like where they've added this kind of coverage potential. The the 2018 and 19 linebacking class has added a lot of that with Maris and Bo Bauer and Ovia Gofu and guys like that, right? Sure. And and but what we haven't seen is the kind of impact returnability. That's to fair. whereas you lose Brandon. I mean, you lose Brandon Joseph off off your team this year, who you got as a transfer and your next best punt return guy is Matt Salerno. No disrespect to Matt, but like in two years, Matt Salerno's not even they're not even he's not even in practice reps returning punts because you can't take reps away from all the other dudes, you know. And and again, a guy that we're not talking about who's already on the roster that we would have been talking about if not for the injury bench, you and I talked about that this summer. If Jadarian Price doesn't get hurt, he's back there with Chris Tyree on kick returns. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. question. And he might be your punt returner. You know, he's that kind of dynamic kid because that's a way to get him the football if he's not getting the touches on offense. So they're going to be a whole different animal. And if the longer they can keep Brian Mason, the better. Yes. So that'd be huge, huge. Yeah. All right, next one, guys, and we're going to try to work through these quickly. My, Mitchell Connor, do you think if Notre Dame wins Saturday that there was a 12-game playoff now? Could the Irish have a legit chance at the Natty? Also thinking of how Buckner may be able to be back by bowl season. That's an inter. I've had people bring this up to me. If, if there was a 12-team playoff, do you think Notre Dame could, <clears throat> could win the championship? I still say no because I just have a hard time with the quarterback position being good enough to win three games. But it would depend on who your three are. Who do you? Does somebody else upset a team that you're a bad matchup sure. against? That you're. It's a bad matchup for you, right? Ben's like, does somebody upset Georgia? Well, so then you don't have to play Georgia. Sure. I tell you what.
4: Once the final standings come out, right, Let's do it. and we see who the top twelve are, I and and Sean and I we talk about this every week in the pregame show. You know what would a twelve team playoff look like with mm-hmm. this CFP? You know standings. I would be very interested to see what that would look like. The odds are that Notre Dame has to go on the road in the first round. And then they're, you know, if they win that game, then they're, you know, they're going to have to be road
1: warriors. I mean, the bottom
4: line, right? Because they're going to be in that bottom, that bottom quarter.
1: A lot would have to happen for them to get up to eight. A lot.
4: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. If they beat USC, I see them being like 10 to 12 in that neighborhood. And if you are, you have to be top 11. You have to be top 11 to make it in because that 12th spot automatically goes to the group of five team. So you got to be top 11. So if they beat USC. I think that's a, a very real possibility. But they then jump people. Be,
1: yeah. yeah. But they then they're going to be
4: playing. Yeah. They're going to be playing that five, six, seven in that neighborhood. So, you know, who's that yeah. going to be? Is that an LSU? You know, is that, right. you know, who who is that? I don't know. Uh, but that would be fun to kind of look at for sure.
1: Yeah. Could be Michigan. <laughs> Absolutely. How about
4: them, it could be. No, it definitely could. Yeah, be.
1: that's fun. Let's do that show after um, like, uh, so not next week, but the week after I think it'd be yeah. really fun. What would, what would Notre Dame's chances of making a run at a title? Yeah. Cause what would that look and like? And Would it change if Tyler Buckner returned and played to the level that we think he can, I'd say I have a hard time seeing he could do that because he's been out all year and you miss that development right, time. Right. But uh, it's in the, ter- but I also think it's, it goes back to what you and I argued about when they made that announcement. Benson, where you ended up turning me is, that actually might be a better chance for Notre Dame to to make a run, you know, because now there's a chance that some team that you're a bad matchup for gets knocked off by somebody else before you even have to play them. Yeah. Right. And if Notre Dame gets a quarterback, that's a, that's a pathway for it. You know, it's a pathway for it. So uh, Milton fan 15, is there, is there another historic rivalry that is nationally recognized? I have a buddy who is a huge OU fan and this game is one of his favorites since he was young. He's too old. Well, Nationally recognized, sure. I mean, I think the Ohio State Michigan game is nationally recognized, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the iron bowl gets a lot of national conversation, not to the degree that the Ohio State Michigan game does, you know, right, but right. Miami, Florida State used to be that way. It used mm-hmm. to, I mean, that used to be the game when they played. That's all anybody talked about was Miami, Florida State. Miami, Notre Dame used to be that way for a very brief time. For a very mm-hmm. brief time. When Miami Notre Dame played for about a five-year stretch, everybody paid attention. About about four-year stretch everybody paid attention to it but uh yeah I mean I, I think I think there's some I think OU Texas is a nationally recognized yeah. rivalry yeah, I think Florida is. Georgia is nationally recognized I don't think it's necessarily like you know to the level of Michigan Ohio State but I now now is there is there another way of looking at is there another rivalry that's like this that where it's a national type of game no no, where it's two teams from two conferences from different part of the country. No, and that's what we were saying earlier. There's nothing like that in, in football. I'm very curious to see if USC can build that in the Pac-12 or in the, in the when they go to the Big Ten, because yeah. there used to be that. There used to be some really good Big Ten Pac-10 rivalries, you know that that would like that that, and we just don't we don't see those anymore, you know, because of the Rose Bowl. And then the Big Ten and Pac-12 used to play each other a lot in the regular season, and they don't do that anymore. Irishman seven one one four. I think the inside guys beating USC's O line is the biggest matchup. The key to getting after Caleb Williams is pressuring him right up the middle. Ryan, I think that's a very astute observation. I no disagreement. Great, great point. It,
2: it is. I, I definitely want to get in his face, but I will say this, Irishman seventy one fourteen. I also do not want to just get interior pressure and then sacrifice rush integrity from the outside, though, because mm-hmm. him out of the pocket is a tough matchup right i want to have good lane production from the outside good lane discipline but then i agree i mean i think this is a jason adam malola game right like it's a howard cross game this is a riley mills and inside on obvious passive situations game like i agree with you interior because the one thing about caleb williams is he's a really physically built quarterback but he's only about six one. like he's not the big he's not the tallest quarterback of all time so interior pressure can can do a good job against them i believe
1: I will say this as a quarterback, if if I can be great, if a team is going to be great one area and just okay in another as a pass rush inside-outside, I would much rather face a team that's really good outside and not that great inside because an in inside pressure, I can step in and away from. My, it's easier for my tackles to ride an end that whooped his butt out than a tackle. Yep. When I'm getting pressure in my face, it's a lot harder for me to spin out of that than it is for me to step into it. And I feel like Notre Dame is athletic enough to where if Caleb Williams has to go left, right to get out of pressure, they have a better mm-hmm. chance at getting to him than him just going right vertical. Uh, that that'd be my that'd be my two cents. So, but another super chat from ND ND Nation twenty five will make some NFL team happy. What gives Tommy Reese? Don't, Don't even get me started. I I agree. Brian J <laughs> Irish, thank you for the super chat, ND Nation. Is Caleb Williams the best player in the field come Saturday night? We'll go Vince, Ryan, me. Is Caleb Williams the best player on the field come some sun, come Sunday night?
4: Is the best skill player on the field? How about that? Because I think Notre Dame's got some pretty dang good tackles that'll go pretty high in the NFL draft. So I was but let me ask it
1: this player way. Player. Let me ask it this way. Is he the best talent on the field? Number one, and then number two, will is he the best player on the field? Big picture, and then number three, will he be no the best on Saturday? So. Talent, bigger picture, best player, and then three, will he be the best in the actual game?
4: It's so hard to compare talent from like an offensive lineman to a quarterback. You know what I mean? And I – so I I will say, yes, he has the most talent. I say, yes, he'll be the best player on the field, and I say he will not be the best player on the field on Saturday.
1: So yes, yes, no. Yep. Okay. Ryan,
2: what say you? I, I, he's definitely the most impactful talent that'll be on the field on Saturday. <laughs> like he you. can, he can make, he can be the difference in a winning or losing a football game. In my opinion, I'm gonna say he's the most talented player. Yes, he is. I'm gonna stick with Vince. Yeah, I'm gonna say yes, yes, no, for my for my situation. I think that he's gonna be very good on Saturday, but I don't think that he's going to be the best player. So Notre Dame gets the victory, but it is very tough to, because you're right, Vince. I mean, I want to honestly say that Joe Walt is a better left tackle than Caleb Williams, the quarterback. And I think that you can make a legitimate conversation, but then it also comes back to, but quarterback is a much more Well, not much more, but a quarterback is a more impactful position than a left tackle. Right. So it's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough.
1: I'm going to say yes, no, and no. Yes, he's the most talented. If we're talking about NFL draft projection, he probably has the highest ceiling of anyone on the field Saturday. No, he is not the best player on the field on Saturday because Michael Mayer is. And number three, uh, no, I don't think he'll be the best player on Saturday night. I think some t- somebody for his team or somebody else's team is going to step up and really go off. If Notre Dame wins this game, definitely the answer is no. If Notre Dame loses, there's a chance we could be saying that he's the best player on the field. But I still think it'll be like some Jordan Addison goes off, uh, some defensive player has a huge game, something like that is what I think will happen. But I I still think the most dominant player on the field on Saturday is is Michael Mayer. And I I feel like if Michael Mayer played played 11 games against the 11 teams that USC played, uh, his numbers would look a whole lot different, in my opinion. There's no doubt about it. Indy Nation with another super chat. Let's end Caleb from getting the Heisman on Saturday. I mean, that's the other thing too uh, on the line here, guys. Is this is a Heisman Heisman Trophy opportunity for Caleb Williams. And now you've got Ever. people saying he should be the front runner and all this other he of this stuff. He needs his moment. He doesn't have a Heisman. Well,
2: this, yeah. this would be a moment, though, right? Yeah. And in the season big off, time. like this would be a big, big time, time against moment.
1: this kind of defense because a lot of things you can say about him with his numbers is well, who's he played? Right. And, and you know, I would argue that about C.J. Stroud as well. As much as I love C.J., it's like, well, who's he played? The Big Ten sucks this year. But the perception of the Big Ten is different than the perception of the Pac-12. And, sadly, perception still matters a lot to people who vote oh, for yeah. these things. You if know what I mean? they don't pay attention. Maybe right. Just you know, it's like how Brock Bowers is on the Bolitnikov finalist award, but Michael Mayer is not when, when Michael Mayer has significantly better numbers and has been a much better player this year <laughs> than Brock Bowers because it's perception, it's reputation, it's nonsense. But, you know, the reality it's is it's because he,
2: it's because Brock Bowers is a wide receiver, not really a tight end. Well, the Bolitnikoff made it very clear
1: to me this summer when I had a comment about it, that it's not that it's the best pass catcher, not it's the best receiver, not wide receiver. I'm like, you guys are seriously coming to me. They even called me and left a message on my voicemail. They were mad about it. Oh, really? About an article. <laughs> I wrote, yeah. The Bolitnikoff people? <clears throat> Bolitnikoff. Somebody from Bolitnikoff did. Yeah, because I called it a wide receiver award. They were real salty about that. I'm like, don't do that and then leave Michael Mayer off. Right. Like, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, Has, has a tight know, end ever won They had Brock the Bowers on there.
4: So, yeah. There you
1: go. No. No. I don't think a tight end's ever won it. So, yeah. whatever. Mr. 2.0, is this a Riley Mills inside game? Seems like it might, might be. I think it's going to be yes. both. I think it's yes. going to be both. I think you're going to see him outside a little bit because I really like the idea of having that tough edge set. And I think there will also be times where you'll see him inside. I think you'll see a little bit of both. But yep. primarily, I think, you know, I think I think we'll probably see him a little bit more inside, but I, I do think we'll see him some outside, too, because, look, it's not going to get discussed a lot, but it is very important that they set the edge. There's this giant fly that's been flying around my head the last 30 minutes, and I want to murder it so bad right now. So anyway, Behart1074, can Notre Dame for the most part only take grad students because of the strict academics? It's not about strict academics per se. When people think academics, I think that people think GPA. It's simp- It's this, it's very simple. Notre Dame, each, each, whatever you're, when you transfer, usually you have a department you're transferring into. I'm a history major, I'm a business, I'm doing this, right? Each department head, sets a standard for what classes they will and will not accept from other colleges. And Notre Dame, for some reason, their department heads have really strict guidelines for what they will accept as transfers. They just don't like taking transfers. I don't understand why they just don't. And so right now the, the, the reality is, is Notre Dame can get a lot of transfers. It's just that like kids that have the academic success, it's just, they won't accept most of their classes. Notre Dame's not going to accept a student who then won't be on pace to graduate on time because they rejected all of their their credits, and that's the problem. That's what Notre Dame is going to have to figure out how to fix: is how can we make exceptions for athletes who are very good students that show an academic success to be able to come here and play sports? They're going to ha- somebody's going to have to step in and intervene. The, the difficult thing is. The academic standards are simply come down to the provost and the admissions department. Essentially, it's a little bit more complicated, but essentially. With this, it's every single different department head you have to convince, right? Now, what Notre Dame can do is maybe find two or three department heads of majors that most student athletes are going to go after and say, okay, well, now we'll look at grad transfer or transfers that are going to major in business because we got the business person on board to be more flexible or the, you know, I don't know, whatever the major most kids take. The other problem, too, is a lot of these big-time players are being steered towards kind of blah academic programs that just aren't going to transfer over. And so that's going to make it more difficult as well. So that's what – so it's not, oh, they're strict GPA-wise. They only take 4.0 students to grad transfers. That's not really it. That's not really the issue behind it. All right, the wine dude. With USC joining the Big Ten, how will this impact us playing them going forward? I love to host them in late November. I, we, we talked about just—we don't know how it's it going to change it. Be. We don't know what the schedules are going to look like. <laughs> no, he's talking about it, it could impact them, Vince, in, as far as, as far when as they when, play. Okay,
4: as far as that's, when. Yeah,
1: that's possibly. the unknown. They're not going to okay. stop playing USC, but I do Correct. think that's the unknown. Is the Big Ten may say, "Hey, look, we'd like for you to play them in the last game every year because it's going to make it easier for us to fit the Big Ten schedule together." Because once sure. the Big Ten starts playing. They don't have random non-conference games in the middle of the season. Like right. week five and they're six. all they're
4: always in the front.
1: Right. They're in the front, and then you know, and they can say, they're Hey, really look, we can work with you if it's the last game of the year, and we always right. know it's the last game of the year. Um, because the Big Ten will do some front-loaded big conference games, right? They had uh Penn State sure. and Purdue first yeah. game of the year, right? Nebraska Northwestern first game of the year. So they can fit it in, but it's gonna be hard to fit it in when I your rivalries like week five would or six.
4: Love to play that in the last game of the season yeah. every single year. Agreed. Every single year. Yep. <sighs> be glorious.
1: Yep. Here's a question. Does the IB staff from DC Irish 1213 does the IB staff think Ohio State and Michigan get in the playoff regardless of what happens tomorrow? Absolutely I think Ohio State does.
2: Yeah.
1: As I, mean, I say regar- Ohio State can't get blown out and lose to Michigan. I don't think they can get blown out. I don't think but I think Oklahoma if Ohio State, State loses in a really close game, I think they still probably get in over it just a, a, depends LSU. on
4: other stuff that goes on. Yeah. I I they I don't think talk to USC me when all the games have been played, and I'll have ai I don't think an USC
1: answer, oh I'll say this Vince. I don't think USC and Clemson can pass Ohio State. I I, I don't. I think that uh mm-hmm. LSU m- maybe. Because they're closer, just where they are now. Because the committee has shown they don't throw all their previous rankings out, they go off of what they had the week before. That's what they've shown that they do, right? Joel Clatt nailed this one. They just, okay, that team won, move them up a spot. That's all that's what they do.
0: Sure. So mm-hmm. unless
1: LSU loses, I don't see how Clemson and USC can pass them unless the committee goes away from what they've done. Now they should, but. I think Ohio State has a better chance of staying in it with a close loss. I don't think Michigan does. Because Michigan doesn't have the Notre Dame win on their on their
4: docket. If LSU yeah. wins out, they're the SEC champs. They're going right. to get in.
1: I don't lose, think that's necessarily a given. I We've do. seen this before, Vince. We've seen two lost Big Ten team in Penn State who beat Ohio State in a head-to-head didn't get in. Right. So I think it just depends on... Yes, now,
4: but you said it. We're, we're talking about Big Ten and SEC. Right.
1: Where's LSU well, right now? SEC champion gets in. Fifth. Uh, that's happening.
2: Fifth. Okay. I mean, if they beat Georgia.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a given. I don't. Now it, it depends on like does TCU win? Does you know Ohio State win? Does USC win? Who I don't think it's a given that it happens. I think it's likely, but I don't think it's a given because again we have seen the committee do this before. We've seen the committee, but not to with the, Penn not State to the in twenty sixteen. We haven't.
4: Not to the SEC. But we've never. We but
1: you can't say that we've seen. We haven't, Vince, because we've never seen a two loss SEC champ.
4: I understand that, but they love the SEC, period. They I, also love the Big they Ten. They will never do that. They will never do that to you the don't, SEC. Okay, that's
1: your opinion, but there's won't. no data to support that. I mean, so that's just, your, that's that's just a guess. So we'll see. I hope we don't find out because I hope – We're not going to find out because LSU is going to get
4: their asses handed to them by yeah. Georgia. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> <Yeah. Whatever laughs> I I
1: about. think the committee will be a little bit more leery of perception if it gets down to 12-1 and 1 USC, 12-1 and 1 Clemson and an 11-2 LSU team. Uh, And we've seen them also do this before, guys. We've seen them buckle under that pressure before and drop a team that's been in the top four for a long time out. They did that to TCU. Now, again, that's a Big 12 team compared to an SEC team. And I do think there's merit to that, Vince, but I don't think it's a given that they're going to take a two-loss champ. I don't. Not if there's other one-loss teams. Again, they took Ohio State over them. We've seen it. I don't think they would have taken Auburn in 2017 if Auburn beats Georgia. I don't think Auburn gets in that year if they win. I don't. I don't. So just winning an SEC championship doesn't mean an automatic bid, in my opinion. But it's it's an opinion on my end as well because we don't have evidence. We We haven't haven't seen seen a two lost team. It's a guess on both of our parts. Yeah. Ryan Olenek says, "Hey guys, been a while since I've been able to hop on. Happy Thanksgiving though." same to you, Ryan, in your opinion, if Notre Dame loses a close one to SC, is the season a disappointment? I'll say in a word. Yes. Season's already a disappointment. Sorry. Yeah. It is. Okay. It is. it is. I don't agree with that. If they beat SC, it's not as good as it should have been, but it's not a disappointment in my opinion. Still you beat two top 10 teams. Okay. That's your opinion. You gave yours. I'm giving mine, right? I don't think it is. I think you'd have two top 10 wins. I think it's, it's a it's not as good as it should have been. There's a difference between that and being disappointment. Eight and four, flat out disappointment. Nine and three with six straight wins in the season, beating two top ten teams, potential two conference power five conference champs. You know, it's not as good as it should have been, but to me it wouldn't be a disappointment. Eight and four, flat out, big disappointment. I think we that's one we can definitely all agree on. Absolutely. No matter what happens in a bowl game, there's Doesn't they could matter. play Brian Kelly and LSU and win by 40 in
4: still a bowl game
1: and it's still a disappointment. So they could play Bama and win by 20 and I'd say, Hey, this is going to be good for recruiting. you beat be Bama. It'd still be a disappointment like four losses with this team. Inexcusable, in my opinion, inexcusable. And I think that is going to do it. We have no more questions here. I don't believe. And uh, we want to go, Oh, here we go. Quickly from Indy nation. If Caleb is on Notre Dame, are we probably undefeated? We discussed this the more other certainly. day. I don't think there's any doubt that Notre Dame's undefeated if Caleb Williams is on their football team. There's no doubt because like some of the pressures that he got that that Buckner missed throws on against Ohio State, Ryan, and I think that Caleb Williams might hit some of those deep shots where guys were open. I think he would have been able to bounce off some of those as well because he's a lot bigger than Tyler is. So I think, I mean, they definitely would. They at worst ten and one. At worst, I think they're eleven and zero. The way that the defense played against Ohio State that day. Yep, it's just the thing Caleb Williams has never had, as good as he is, Caleb has never had a defense. Ever. Like, like in high school, maybe. In college. Maybe Gonzaga. College. I right, should, maybe I should... Gonzaga, maybe. Yeah, you know what I mean? Should... Like, I knew what you meant. I knew what you yeah. meant. I was just being, being silly <laughs> with, college. with it. In college, he's never had a good defense. Like, no. even a in, an average defense. He's always right. had bad defenses. Um, You know, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, that's going to do it for us. Everybody, please do us a favor. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Reminder of our schedule tomorrow, Vince, you and Jesse, I believe at 10 a.m. Vince and Jesse will have our uh, IB countdown to kick off getting ready for Notre Dame and uh, USC. And also talk about, I would imagine, Vince, Ohio State, Michigan, some of those other big games. We'll talk about that. And then uh, we're going to do a live show. We'll start at seven. Okay, so we'll kind of have like a little bit of a pregame beforehand, a little preview, and uh, we'll we'll also use that time to try to help you all get your TVs synced with us as best as possible. We will try to get that done beforehand, and then we will pause after the game, and we'll have about probably about, what about what do we say, Vince? Like about a probably about ten or fifteen, 15 minute intermission ish, and then it's time to go to the go bathroom. To show, check. right? Just some thoughts. not yeah. have to talk for ten or fifteen minutes. Um, <laughs> And then kind of get out whatever emotions we might need to get out, uh, joy or sadness, whichever one, and then, uh, and then get back and be ready for our post game show. So we'll do that tomorrow, um, after the show. So for Ryan, I almost did it wrong, Vince. For Ryan, it. Vince, I'm Brian. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you all again very, very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.